when it comes to eggs on the homestead, it tends to be either feast or famine. And I know a lot of you can relate to this. You either have bazillions of eggs coming in and filling every uh, container you have in your kitchen and they're all over your countertops and filling your fridge, or you have zero eggs and you're cringing as you're walking down the store aisle, adding cartons of eggs to your shopping cart. So it tends to lead us to the next logical question. How can we preserve eggs for later? Now, when I started to research this topic, I found that it wasn't quite as cut and dried as I would like it to be. And there was kind of this weird mystery a little bit around different methods of egg preserving. You know, if you read some old homestead literature, older homestead stories, you'll come across different techniques that our ancestors would have used, our great-grandparents. But I was always kind of left with this uncertainty as to whether those methods were still legitimate, if they were even safe. I mean, this idea of immersing eggs in a liquid and then eating them a year later and nothing else has been done to them, it sounds a little weird in our modern day and age where people are scared to leave an egg on the counter for, you know, uh, 12 hours. So I always had a lot of question marks in my mind around this topic, especially when earlier this spring I started to play around with preserving some eggs. So I decided to bring an expert on for this episode, and we are going to settle this topic of egg preservation once and for all. I am so excited to be joined by Carolyn Thomas of Homesteading Family. You're probably familiar with her and her YouTube channel and all the content she puts out. She and her husband, Josh, live on a 40-acre homestead in northern Idaho that is surrounded by gardens, livestock, and children. She spends her days rocking babies, homeschooling her kids, and preserving food for the coming winter. As part of her passion, she also teaches homesteading skills to encourage other families to live simply and focus on the things that really matter, like faith, family, and really good food. So Carolyn gives a ton of value in this episode. So I highly recommend you grab a pin and a piece of paper and let's get to it. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Hey, Carolyn, welcome to the podcast. Hey there, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. So for those of you listening, um, Carol and I were just talking about our rural internet woes. So if there's a little bit of a delay or there's some funky connection, just bear with us. We're doing the best that we can, but we're going to hope that things go smoothly. So we'll see how it goes. Great. Yeah. We have these issues with, uh, you know, being in the middle of nowhere. It's a wonderful place to be, but sometimes we're not as connected as we'd like to be. (laughs) Definitely. So Uh, Carolyn, I'm really excited to chat with you on this topic. Um, Egg preservation, I feel like this is one of those homestead things that is a little bit elusive to get information on. Have you noticed that same sort of vibe maybe before you really delved into it like you have? Yes, it is very hard to find good information on it. And it's actually really interesting because if you go back 
50 years, 75 years, 100 years in the literature, there's actually a lot of information about preserving eggs. It was something that people have struggled with ever since they've been keeping chickens. And, you know, it's just no different for us modern homesteaders. We've just kind of lost the information. But, you know, there's this real struggle with having these chickens and it's seasonal and you get so many eggs at one point of the year. Um, and then you get around to another point of the year and you have so few eggs. And, you know, it's really easy. I've had a lot of people say, well, why don't you just sell the extra eggs in the summer and then buy eggs in the winter? And, you know, the reality is, is you kind of get uh, addicted to eating your own homegrown really great quality eggs that you just can't get in the grocery store. Um, so I really went out and looked for a way to even out that supply. And that's where I started really diving into the history and getting into some of the uh, more modern methods of eggs, egg preservation and found that we actually have a lot of options. We just have kind of lost the discussion about it. Definitely. Yes. I found the same thing. And we're, we're the same way. My kids actually will not eat a store-bought egg, like a scrambled egg. They can tell, and they're like, this tastes gross. And so, you know, we're, we get spoiled really easily and you want to have those, those home raised farm fresh eggs year round for sure. Yeah, you, you really do. They're just so much better. And, you know, the other reality is, is that even going the route of maybe selling some eggs and then buying them later, when you're buying them, you're likely paying tax. And so you're actually not getting a one-to-one -one trade on your money. And so it's just a good way to be even more frugal and just use what you have when you have it. You just have to take that extra step of preserving them when you have the abundance so that you have them when you just don't have as many. <laughs> Yeah. So how would our ancestors, our great, great, great grandparents, or maybe even more recent than that, how would they have kept their farm eggs for later use in the year? Yeah. So historically you had quite a few different options and some of them we've now realized maybe don't work as well as they hoped they worked back then. And other, uh, other ones, other methods are actually very, um, you know, efficient at keeping your eggs. Some of them are just the common storage method where you just find a cool space and keep your eggs. If they're unwashed, you can actually keep them good for depending on how cool your area is, you can keep them good for months just sitting out in just that common storage. A place like a root cellar or somewhere that would stay, you know, very cool is ideal for this. And they last a really long time. Other methods that are historical would be things like liming the eggs, which is one method that I absolutely love. Um, and that is where you make a solution of lime. Um, Jill, I think I know you do this a little bit too. You make a solution of lime and water and you submerge your unwashed eggs in that. And I've had those eggs stay good for over 12 months uh, in that solution. And you just pull them out and you have a fresh egg. It's not cooked. It's not frozen. It's exactly like you put it in. So you can use that in any application. You know, there's some different ways you can use a or preserve eggs too. Historically, they would preserve, preserve them in alcohol. 
And that would be where our eggnog comes from. So you, if you mix enough alcohol with anything over the course of a week or two, it's going to sterilize whatever that thing is. <laughs> There's not going to be anything left in there. So it's going to be safe to eat. And so, uh, you know, George Washington used to love his eggnog and they would make it in the summer when they had a lot of eggs and then they would serve it throughout the year um, as a way to get that protein from the eggs. Um, so there's a lot of really fun different methods that you can use that, you know, even gives you a finished product. And that's how I like to break it down when we're talking about egg preservation. I like to talk talk about it in the result that you get and the different types of products you get at the end. Because there are some types of egg preservation methods where you end up with a fresh egg that you can still crack and then you can cook with it, bake with it, fry it, whatever you want to do with that. And that is, to me, that's kind of the most ideal because then you have the most options with it. Then you have egg preservation methods where you still end up with a raw egg, but maybe your uses are limited. And that's, uh, you know, freezing, freeze drying. They've kind of already been cracked and scrambled. And so there's only so many things you can do with that raw egg when you go to use it. But then there's this third type of egg preservation, and that is using your eggs in um, egg heavy recipes and then preserving those recipes, preserving those foods so that you get eggs in a way that's maybe already prepared when you go to use them. Yes, I love that. I, and I, I'm like like you, my preference is if I can get a fresh egg or egg that is just like it would be, you know, collecting it from the chickens this morning and have that last the longest, that's my number one pick for sure. Can you uh, explain yeah. a little bit the difference between liming eggs versus water glassing? Yes. Okay. So I think it's important to notice when you go back in the uh, in the historical record and you start reading the history on these things, both of those methods are often called water glassing eggs, but technically. Water glassing refers to when you're using the sodium silicate to go ahead and preserve the eggs in a bucket of something that becomes like a thick gel. And it does work, but it has been shown not to work nearly as well as liming eggs. Also, you have to go get the specific ingredient, and it's not really good for many other things around your property, unless you're sealing floors or some of those things. Yeah. Um, and so for me personally, I tend to stay away from the water glassing, and I really, really prefer that liming eggs. Lime, after you have used the lime in a solution for egg preservation, it, um, it's still that lime water leftovers is still really useful around the house and around the farm. They used to use it to create a whitewash, so which was 
antimicrobial so they could wash areas like their pantry and different places that they need to make sure didn't have a lot of bacteria. They may they might not have understood what bacteria was at that point, but they knew that this killed off the things that would cause, cause food spoilage. So they would use that leftover of the lime solution to create this whitewash and turn around and whitewash their pantry for the next year. It's also really useful for pouring around the edges of your chicken coops or other areas around your property. So I love getting to use something that I can then use again, and I don't end up with a lot of waste. And so that's one of the reasons I really prefer that liming eggs versus the water glassing eggs. And when you say lime, just so no one listening is going, is she using lime juice or lime zest? Like this is a pickling lime, like a, a powder, correct? Like you're, you're, you're buying a actual powdered lime. It's a different animal than the fruit. Yes, yes, that's a really good distinction to make. And when I first saw read about liming eggs, that's exactly what I thought. I thought we were going to use lime the fruit. But no, this is um, hydrated lime. You can use a food grade pickling lime. And yay, Azure Standard has just started carrying bulk food grade pickling lime. Ooh. So I'm really excited to have a good food grade source for that. So yes, the pickling lime is what you're looking for. Okay. Yes. And okay. So I, I did this earlier this spring and I have the jars in my basement, but one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I have, I mean, I haven't got to that point. People are like, did it work? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't, uh, it hasn't been long enough for me to know. So you have indeed limed eggs and then eaten them. You said 12 months later. Yes, we've eaten good eggs from the lime solution up to 16 months later. Now I've read historically, you can get two years and I think you would have to store it in a much cooler location than I have access to. I'm just putting them down in my basement, which honestly in the summer can get up to 67, 68 degrees. Um, and yes, you can pull them right out. But I've got to say it depends a little bit on the temperature, again, that you're storing them at. So I've had people who have tried them and they've kept their eggs good for nine months. And then they started to notice them deteriorating. You know, the yolks just weren't as perky anymore and everything got a little runny. Um, I've heard of people, people have now contacted me and said that they have now done this and made it to 18 months with great quality eggs that they were still using exactly like fresh. And um, so you just really need to make sure that you have the coolest area possible for storage in order to really make this work for you if your goal is to go past one season, which usually I'm just trying to get through that next winter because then I'm going to end up with so many eggs again, you know, I'm going to have to do something with next spring's eggs. So, um, so that has worked out really, really well for me. So Jill, as long as you're keeping them nice and cool, like if you can get under 55 degrees consistently, then my guess is you could probably get them to that two year mark. That's amazing. That is incredible. Um, and when you've tasted them, you know, your 12, 12 months from your, from your basement, there's no discernible difference, really? Like they taste the same, they look the same? Yes. I mean, they do still slowly age because they're still eggs and they're still fresh. So they are still slowly aging. So from day one to month 12, 
in my basement, you do start to notice a little bit of a decline. So, you know, they're just not quite as great. Maybe the yolks don't hold together as well when you're trying to, um, to fry them. But taste-wise, I can't taste a difference. And uh, my husband thinks he can taste a little bit of a difference maybe, but as soon as I cook them up, nobody can tell me which one is which. So for all practical purposes, they taste the exact same and, you know, they look the exact same until you get to that point where they start aging a little bit. Okay. That's just incredible. And, and one other question I've had a lot about this that I've, I've been fairly confident in, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is there any concern with toxins? You know, if the, if, substances from the lime getting into the eggs or would there be any reason that the eggs would be not as healthy for you because of the substance they're suspended in over that period of time? Right. That's a great question. And um, no, the reason for that is because you have to make sure that you don't wash your eggs and you're using unwashed eggs for this. So that natural waxy substance that's around the eggs that protects them also keeps the liquid out. That's why you can take a raw egg and submerge it in water. And then when you crack it, there's no water inside the egg. Um, And so for that same reason, you're not getting the liquid inside the egg. You do not really want to eat lime. That is definitely true, which is why any food grade lime, any of the applications you'd use lime for, you always rinse it off whatever it is you're going to eat before you eat it. Um, but in this case of the eggs, you just take your eggs out of the lime solution, give them a quick rinse so you don't get any drips of lime into whatever you're cracking the eggs into, and they're ready to go and they have not been contaminated with any um, lime. Now, I've got to say, because the eggs are still slowly aging, just like any food preservation method, you are slowly losing nutritional value. But it should be very slow. It should not be very quickly. And as long as you're still seeing those great yellow yolks, you're probably up at a pretty high nutritional value. But again, these eggs do slowly age as they sit in the lime solution. So you will start to notice a decline. That is also a sign that you're losing a little bit of nutrition with it. You know, that's just kind of the name of the game when it comes to food preservation is how do you keep as much in for as long as you can, because you're always slowly losing some amount of nutrition. So besides that, you should have amazing healthy eggs. As long as you start with great eggs to start with, then you should be good to go. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love that you're demystifying this a little bit. Cause I know for me, you know, I initially heard about this back at the very beginning when I started homesteading and I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no way that sounds dangerous and risky. And you know, now, now of course I've done it myself, but just to hear your own personal experience um, versus sometimes like this, you know, hearsay on the internet, my great grandma did it, but I don't know, maybe she died from it. Not really sure. So this is really reassuring, um, to have you shedding some light on it. You know, one of the things that I just really loved about this method is after I had been doing it for about a year, 
I found an old pamphlet from the U.S. government that was encouraging everybody to lime their eggs back from about the 20s. It was probably wartime or going into wartime. You know, something was going on in the world where they were really making an effort to get people to preserve their own foods. And there's this whole pamphlet that tells people how to lime their eggs. It talks about how great the method is, how easy it is for everyone to do, and how there's really no excuse for anybody's household not to have limed eggs in the basement. And I just thought that was so amazing to see this information from, you know, several generations ago at this point. Um, and at that point, they were talking about how healthy and safe the eggs are. Now, I know our science has changed, but that's really still proven out that these eggs preserve really well. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. And oh, how times have changed <laughs> to have them encouraging such a thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. So when we're talking about these kind of time honor- honored methods, have you ever tried preserving your eggs. I've heard people talk about like coating them in fat or oil or lard. Have you ever tried that method? I have tried that, but only once because it was such an incredible mess that I kind of said, I'm not doing this ever again. This is totally pointless. Um, I did go with the lard and it did seem to allow the eggs to store longer. However, I I don't feel like I got too much longer than I can just keep eggs if I just store them on the counter in a cool place, honestly. Um, And that certainly wasn't any sort of a scientific study on my part, but, you know, just more of a feeling. And it just, some people tell me, you know, oh, you can do it. You don't have to make a mess. And I think I just have a tendency to make a mess doing whatever I do. <laughs> so Same. I managed to make a disaster out of that and have lard all over everything. Um, you know, I refuse to use the mineral oil because I um, just feel like because it's a fat, you can't just rinse it off the outside of your eggs and have it completely not, you know, keep it completely separate from your cooking. And I really, really don't want to accidentally be consuming mineral oil in my family. So I went with the lard, just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. We use a lot of lard around the homestead here. Um, but unlike that lime that I feel really confident, it's a, you know, it's a water solution. You can just rinse that off and it's all gone. Um, I just didn't feel like I could confidently get all that mineral oil off. So maybe the trick is to use mineral oil and not lard when it comes to keeping things neat and tidy. But uh, but the lard was a bit messy and not as great at preserving the eggs. Yeah, it sounds like if you're if you're trying to go for that fresh end result, the liming just makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and I do want to talk about some tips for the best storability for your eggs, especially if you're using um, any of the methods that you're going to end up with a fresh egg at the end that you can use. Because I think, you know, the way that it comes out of the hen house really has a lot to do with your end result uh, for the quality of your eggs. So is this a good moment to take a second and talk about that? Yes, please. All right. So, you know, it's really important for most of the egg preservation methods where you end up with a fresh egg. That means that you're storing the eggs in the shell. 
And you really are going to get your best method, your best storability by not washing those eggs at all, which means that you need to have them clean when they come into the house, which means that you need to keep your nest boxes clean. So that's one of the first things that I tell people is just really make sure you keep an effort to keep your nest boxes clean. If you just have to throw a handful of fresh shavings in every day into your nest boxes, then do that because it'll give you a lot more options when it comes to preserving your eggs. Um, in that same way, when you get them home or when you get them into the kitchen, don't wash them unless they're visibly soiled. If you have to wash an egg that's visibly soiled, go ahead and wash it, set it aside, and put it in the, uh, you know, the, the rotation to use fresh in the next few days. Um, you really decrease your storability. Even if you're storing your eggs inside the refrigerator, you really don't want those eggs washed. You're just removing all the protective barriers between the bacteria outside world and that safe kind of secure protected world inside that uh, eggshell. Uh, so if your eggs are dirty, just make sure you use them right away. When possible, whenever possible, and sometimes this isn't possible, if you're throwing a bunch of eggs into a five-gallon bucket of lime water, I have yet to figure out how to do this one, but store eggs with their small ends down. And that just is really going to um, make sure that you're not getting any extra air contact when you need from that air pocket that ends up inside the egg. Also make sure you collect your eggs every day. And if you're in the heat of summer, or you have any really hot weather, collect it multiple times a day. Bring them in and get them out of that heat because that heat is what really ages those eggs much more quickly. And then, of course, we always want to develop a rotation system with any of our food, uh, you know, food systems in the house where we're using the oldest eggs first. So if you do several jars or several buckets of limed eggs, make sure you're using the oldest one first so you can get through that first and then use the newer ones as you go along. All right, and those tips should help you have an egg that is great for preserving and gives you the best results in the end. Those are, yeah, those are great tips. And I, I noticed when I was doing my liming, um, yeah, I, I was really thankful we had clean nesting boxes at the time so I didn't have to fight that temptation to wash because then you definitely don't want to wash and it definitely starts in the chicken coop for sure. This episode is brought to you by Redmond's Real Salt the number one salt I use in all of my homestead cooking, canning, and fermentation. I've learned over the years that not all salt is created equal, and having the good stuff really does make a difference in your culinary adventures, especially when it comes to canning or fermentation. If you use the general run-of-the-mill grocery store salt with its iodine and its sugars and its additives, it can cause your canned or fermented foods to have off flavors, textures, and colorations. So it really does make a difference to get the good stuff. Redmond's is the only salt mine in the good old US of A, and I love that they use sustainable practices in their mining, and it contains 60 plus trace minerals that not only make it good for you, but it actually tastes better too. 
Since I can't mine salt here on our homestead, obviously, I like to buy salt in bulk because that saves me some cash and it never goes bad. I actually bought a 25 pound bag of Redmond salt last summer and I'm still using it. I just keep it in a bucket down in my basement pantry and it's still going strong. Right now, Redmond's is offering 15% off your entire order just for my podcast listeners. Head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash salt and use the code homestead to snag your discount. Now, back to our episode. Yeah, and you know, I get a lot of people asking me, can I do this with duck eggs? Can I do this with quail eggs? Can I, you know, all different eggs? The answer is yes, as long as they can come into the kitchen clean and stay unwashed. And that's really challenging with duck eggs. If you've ever kept ducks, you know, they just are ready to get those eggs into everything. Um, So that's kind of your biggest barrier to doing this with a duck egg. But aside from that cleanliness issue, you can preserve all different eggs with these methods. Very cool. So if we shift over to, uh, so we talked about, you know, that we had the the oiling or the using fat to preserve, which kind of got a, maybe a C grade in the terms of <clears throat> egg preservation. Yeah. We talked about water glassing, which isn't, isn't the most preferable, but then we talked about liming, which is great, or just storing in your fridge. Those are all our methods for giving us eggs that are as close as they can be coming out of the coop. Um, what if we talk about methods that would give us the more limited use eggs are still going to be good later on, but maybe you are a little less uh, versatile in what we can do with them. Yeah. So those are going to be freezing your eggs or freeze drying your eggs. Um, I've been experimenting with the freeze dryer a lot this summer and have done a lot of eggs. And I am really, really pleased with the results from freeze drying eggs. They rehydrate really, really well. Um, You know, there's the other method, which is dehydrating eggs, and that's just not recommended from a safety standpoint when it comes to raw eggs. You can dehydrate cooked eggs, but you don't want to do the raw eggs. Um, So when you're freezing eggs, you just are going to crack your eggs into a bowl. You're going to give them a good whip, put them in a freezer container and freeze them. I know some people add sugar. Some people add salt. Some people push them through a colander. I found that they turn out really well for me if I just beat them and try not to incorporate too much air into them. Um, So we like to keep things as simple as possible. If they turn out great, then don't add any extra work or ingredients to it. So we like to do that. But then again, you have that issue where you end up with scrambled eggs. Now, you know, that's great if you're going to bake with it or if you're going to actually cook scrambled eggs, but, uh, you know, it's not as usable as say a whole egg. Um, one of the big tricks that I've really found with freezing eggs is that if you freeze them in a plastic bag and, you know, I would prefer not to use plastic, but when it comes to the freezer, I really have found limited options for, you know, anything better than a good Ziploc bag. If you freeze them in the Ziploc bag, though, you want to make sure that before they defrost, you cut them out of that bag. So cut them right out while they're still a frozen brick 
and let them defrost without the bag on them. Otherwise, you have a disaster of a Ziploc bag to deal with later because they seem to always break when they're defrosting and let half of the, the egg out into, you know, I always defrost in a casserole pan. So half the eggs out into the casserole pan and half stay in the bag and it just stays a mess. So the best way to handle it is just to cut those right out while they're frozen and defrost them outside of the bag. That is a great tip. Very good tip. Um, so are you using your frozen eggs, like you said, primarily for scrambled eggs? Do you ever measure them out and use them for baking? Yes, we actually use them primarily for baking in our house. Um, we have a large family. There's 12 of us in the house, uh, 10 children. And so we have big breakfasts, but I am not a morning breakfast person. <laughs> so I pre-make casserole, breakfast casseroles, pretty much for every weekday around here. Or I should say one of my daughters makes breakfast casseroles because I'm not even doing it anymore. They've gotten old enough to be great cooks. Mm -hmm. um, and so we measure out our eggs that we put in the freezer according to the recipe we know we're going to be making for breakfast. So if we're going to have a French toast casserole, then we'll put, you know, 18 eggs into that bag for our, our large family. Uh, versus if we were going to do a baked oatmeal, we might only put six eggs into a smaller bag for that. So that's the way we like to use them. And then we defrost them right before, you know, the night before we're going to make the recipe to put in the fridge. Smart. Very smart. Um, yeah. So I have to go back to dehydrating because I have tried this twice in my life. Both times it was a horrible disaster. <laughs> but people, people are really attached <laughs> to the idea of dehydrating eggs. And uh, so it's nice to hear you confirm that you also, because I'm like, am I missing something here? Am I just, is there's like a magic trick to dehydrating eggs? I tried them raw, even though you're not supposed to. And I also tried them cooked. And both times, like the cooked eggs rehydrated were absolutely horrible. So I would just have to say, I'm glad to hear that um, you also are not a fan. <laughs> No, I don't think you're missing anything. I think that's just the truth. And I've also done the the, the raw eggs, even though you're not supposed to. But, um, you know, they are. They are just kind of a mess and they don't turn out great. And um, they don't give you that great egg powder that you would actually like to end up with, which I think that's why I really like the freeze dryer method so much. I know freeze dryers are expensive and they're kind of hard to get into, but they really shine in this area of giving us options for some of the harder to preserve foods, foods like the milk and the eggs. Um, and rehydrating eggs that have been run through the freeze dryer is super, super simple. You just add equal parts egg powder to equal parts water, put it in a jar and shake it up. And about a minute later, you have something that is pretty much undiscernible from a freshly scrambled egg. So that's really becoming my go-to here. I'm, I'm kind of even moving away from the freezer because Jill, as you know, freezer space on the homestead is at a premium. Like that's got to stick there for meat, pretty much. Yes. We raise all of our own meat and we have a lot of freezers and the occasional berry that you want frozen. So I'm really starting to move towards the freeze drying for this classification of egg preservation. 
So we had tried, do you have a harvest right freeze dryer? Yes, 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 we do. We had tried one um, a couple years ago and I had fun playing with it. They sent it to us for a test run. Um, so, but I, I don't have a ton of experience because that was just a small period of time. Do, are you primarily just putting like you're beating raw eggs, putting them on one of the trays. And then once those go through the machine, that's what you're, you're turning into powder and then just rehydrating and, and using it like you would your frozen beaten eggs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I find that they work great. If I just run it through the blender real fast, I can easily do about 12 eggs per tray in the freeze dryer that I have right now. Um, I'm not actually sure if the size of the trays are different in the different sizes of freeze dryers, even within the harvest, right? But I can get about 12 eggs on a tray. And then when you get them back out of the freeze dryer, well, I love the freeze drying method because literally you put them in the freeze dryer and you push about two buttons and you walk away and it's all done. You don't have to watch anything. You don't have to guess, is this done? Is it overdone? What is it? It kind of does the whole thing for you. And I'm really enjoying that. Um, but then when you get it out of the freeze dryer, I just literally take my fingers and kind of move them around through those freeze dried eggs. Visually, the eggs still look the same as when you put them in raw, but then you just kind of move your fingers through it and it automatically, like it just powders right there by touching it. They're so dry that it just completely turns into a powder. And then I just use my hands and scoop them into a jar for storage. Yeah. It reminds me, I think I, I did broth a few times, um, when we had the machine and it was like that, it was almost, it almost looked like, um, fiberglass insulation, which it doesn't sound edible, but it, it, it's, it, that's what it was supposed to look like. And then I, I crushed it up like that. It was kind of, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's actually really fun to do. I feel like a kid every time I get to do it, like <laughs> I'm getting to play with my food, but yeah, it gets almost a little bit crystallized in the process. So it's kind of, I can see why you'd say the fiberglass insulation, cause it does kind of get that foamy mm. crystallized look to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I may, maybe should call harvest right and have them on for an episode and, and we could do a, a whole freeze drying discussion. Um, cause it's definitely kind of unique and exciting way to, to put food up for later that we don't often talk about. Yeah, it's, it really is. And even um, with the dairy, I know you've got a lot of milk. I have a lot of milk coming in from the milk cow and um, we dry off the milk cow a certain time during the year. So we usually have two to three months where the milk cow is dry. And just like the eggs, we are so spoiled on our good milk. And, um, you know, I've really come to like the freeze-dried milk from the harvest, right? So <laughs> it has its places where it really shines. For sure. So that kind of brings me to my, the next category, I guess, which is the, the food that you would, you would make the food with lots of eggs and then store that food. So what are some of your favorite options in that category? Okay, so one of my favorites is noodles making a large amount of egg noodles um, and then dehydrating or freezing those. Now, I know some people um, aren't real sure that they want to dehydrate the raw egg noodles um, because of safety concerns. But, you know, up here, I went to a local manufacturer of egg noodles. We actually have locally the company who makes the noodles for Azure Standard, and they sell the... Um, 
the egg noodles. And I talked to them about their process and they are fully health approved by the state to um, use the raw eggs and sell their dehydrated noodles. And they're not using, you know, egg mixes or anything that's been pasteurized. They're just using raw eggs. And so the state here says that that is actually very safe and just fine. So I felt really good about doing that in my house. So I just make up big batches of egg noodles and dry them. And I usually store them in a five gallon bucket and, uh, you know, keep them until I need them in the winter. So I really like that. Mm -hmm. Other people like to put them in the freezer. And if you have any of those safety concerns, then you can definitely just store them in the freezer. Now, Another method that I like is that eggnog. And, you know, this isn't going to use up a lot of your eggs because there's only so much alcoholic eggnog that anybody needs on their shelf at any time. <laughs> but it is a really fun way if you're a family who enjoys having a little bit of eggnog in the wintertime or around Christmas. This is a really great way of using up some of your eggs when you have a lot in the spring. You get them in a base of alcohol. And then in the winter, when you come go back to use them, you just mix them in with your cream and your milk and really dilute it down so it doesn't have to be too strong on the alcohol side. Yeah. But, um, but these can just sit on your shelf. This combination of egg and alcohol just sits on your shelf. And as it ages, it actually gets better and better. And um, the flavors really mellow and definitely the alcohol flavor mellows out a little bit. So that's kind of a fun way. And I love it that it's another historical recipe, you know, from George Washington, just using his eggnog to preserve his eggs. So I really like that. Another one our family likes is pickled eggs. We keep them in the refrigerator, but we love to have a couple gallon sized jars of pickled eggs sitting in the refrigerator for a quick snack. Um, and that maybe isn't going to get you all the way through winter with your eggs like that, but it is going to get, you know, spread out that production a little bit and give you something you can do with those eggs. Now with your pickled eggs, is that just pretty much making like a pickling brine like you would for refrigerator cucumber pickles and just sticking the hard boiled eggs in that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we like to do that. And, you know, there's so many different recipes out there with so many amazing flavors that it's kind of fun to have different flavors, you know, some of them um, with the natural beet juice for the pretty coloring and some of them just plain or with the turmeric. There's just a lot of fun things that you can do with those. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of salt curing a yolk. Uh, or, or yolks, rather, plural. Um, I had a guest on a couple episodes ago. We talked a lot about salt curing of meats and all that entails. So what does that look like if we're applying that principle to your egg yolks? Yes, yeah, so a salt-cured egg yolk is a really special treat. And I don't know that there's anything else in the world to compare it to besides just itself. Um, but if you picture an egg yolk that gets turned into something that's almost more like a little bit of a hard cheese, then you're kind of um, along the right track there. So what you do is you take just an egg yolk and you just bury it in a pan of salt. So I just take a casserole pan. I put a nice layer of salt down, place as many egg yolks as I can into that pan so that they're not touching each other. And then I cover it with another layer of salt. And um, 
I just stick that into the refrigerator for about two weeks. And then when you pull that out and you dig around and you test it, it's like getting a little bit of gold out because you kind of have to dig around in the salt and find them. And you get these great little nuggets out that are just like little mini round cheeses. And they have kind of a similar texture to them. They're nice and salty and you can even grate them. So I know some people who have dairy intolerances will often grate these or chop these and put them in salads just to give a little bit of that cheesy sort of texture to them. Now, the downside to the um, cured egg yolks is that you're not you know, what do you do with all those egg whites? So unless you're making a meringue or you have something where you're really using up your egg whites, you kind of have a disparity here. Um, and the place where I really found that this shines is if you're having to butcher off your old hens. Now, um, Jill, I don't know, have you ever done this where you're butchering off your old egg laying hens? They're getting a little old, but then um, in the butcher, process, you end up with egg yolks that were, you know, about to become eggs. Yes. I have had that happen. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool or crazy depending on, I suppose, how people would, it, it is, <laughs> would see that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It kind of makes you feel like, oh wait, she was still laying eggs, <laughs> but you can't go backwards at that point. Nope. So, nope. um, I like to just, when we're doing big <laughs> big butchering days, just make sure I have a nice clean bowl set aside for all these egg yolks that come out from that scenario. And then I'll go in and just do this really simple egg preservation method. And it's a great way to use up any extra yolks that you get, um, you know, either from that scenario or from just a baking where you're using up all of your egg whites. Yeah, that's super smart. I, I think that's a great example of old time homestead ingenuity right there. <laughs> well, Carolyn, this has been fantastic. And I think I have, um, I have answered every, or you've answered every question that I have had about this egg preservation. Is there anything that you wanted to add that maybe we missed or, or we didn't cover? We covered quite a bit of ground, I feel like, but anything else that you could think of? Um, no, I think we went through a lot of the basics here, but just remember to, um, you know, think about your eggs and how you're going to preserve them based on how they come in from the chicken coop. So if you can get away with a fresh, clean, unwashed egg, something that's very clean, then you can really use those for those raw methods where you're going to have, you know, they're just like a fresh egg, but you're preserving them. If you end up with a really fresh egg, but it comes in dirty, uh, that's where you can use those methods where you kind of end up with the limited use raw eggs. If you have only store-bought eggs to use, that is going to limit your ability to preserve eggs or to save eggs. I know some people do like to preserve eggs just to have backups on hand, which I think is a wonderful idea. So even if they don't have chickens, um, you know, they like to have those backup on hand. And then again, you kind of have your limited use uh, scenarios. You really don't want to try and do any fresh storage of eggs. Is that an oxymoron? Fresh storage of eggs. Um, preserving those eggs in that fresh form so that you can use them for all different uses. If you're using store-bought eggs, you really want to go to that freezing 
um, or using them in a food that's going to be well cooked or something of that manner in order to preserve a store-bought egg. So just kind of classify them in your mind by how they come into the kitchen. I like that advice. And for those listening who may be going, wait a second, why can't I do fresh storage of my store-bought eggs? Can you expand on that a little bit and just explain why that would be less than ideal? Yeah, store-bought eggs have been washed, at least in the United States. They legally have to be washed is my understanding. And so that means you're removing that bloom from the outside of the eggs. You're removing that protective layer. And so if you were to take a store-bought egg and then stick them into a lime solution, you very well might end up with lime on the inside of your eggs. And you don't want that. The same thing for using it with you know, a mineral oil or a lard. You just have already removed that natural coating. Um, the other reason for it is, is because that natural coating has been gone and it has been sitting in you know, who knows what kind of storage in your grocery store for who knows how long, you are much more likely to have contaminated eggs when you have grocery store eggs. So you really don't want to take an egg that maybe has some bacteria that you don't want on it from the grocery store um, or in it, and then start preserving that long-term. That really is asking for trouble. So you really want to just save those for either that fresh application or something where you're going to make sure you know you you don't allow any bacterial growth if something has gotten inside the egg. Mm-hmm, definitely. And just another case for having homestead chickens. I, I doubt we need to convince anybody, but <laughs> just in case you're on the fence, there you go, another reason. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Carolyn, where can folks connect with you and all of the wonderful things you have to offer on the internet? And you're all over the place, YouTube. So can you give us the rundown real quick? Yeah, you can find us on YouTube, um, Facebook, Instagram, all under Homesteading Family as the handle, and also at homesteadingfamily.com. We have a blog there. We have articles on egg preservation specifically, um, and also over at our our school site, which is schooloftraditionalskills.com. We have a whole listing of different classes there, including an entire class on taking you step-by-step through every single one of these egg preservation methods. So that's a great way to get started if you want to really get somebody to hold your hand through the process. Yes. So I highly recommend you guys go check out um, what Carolyn and her family have to offer. They do a really great job on their content. So lots and lots of good stuff. Well, Carolyn, thank you again for coming on. This was fantastic. I appreciate you sharing all of your egg knowledge with us. And I know that um, people are going to be able to take this information and run with it. So it was really great. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Thanks for listening along, my friend. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got as much out of it as I did. And hey, if you're feeling inspired to start preserving more food after listening to all these amazing interviews on the podcast this season, my Canning Made Easy program is one of the very best places to start. I created this course several years ago when I realized that a ton of people were getting stuck with canning processes and canning safety methods because there's just so much information online and it can feel super 
overwhelming. And I wanted to just make this process simple because canning does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be scary or uncertain. It can be something you do just while you're in the kitchen working on other things sometimes. It doesn't have to be an ordeal. And so I created this program of videos, eBooks, and charts that has since allowed thousands of you to learn how to can without the stress. And this year, I'm actually adding something extra special to the program. I'm gonna be sending anyone who joins the program a box, an actual physical box from my homestead to yours of some of my favorite canning accessories. I'm gonna be throwing in a couple of my favorite reusable canning lids, you know, so the canning lid shortage just doesn't have to be a concern. I'll send you a sample of my favorite sea salt that I use for all of my preserving, a flip top to convert your mason jar into all sorts of handy pantry storage, and probably my favorite part of all is my very much requested old-fashioned on-purpose kitchen towel. You may have seen it hanging in my kitchen in some videos or photos. It has the old-fashioned on-purpose manifesto on it. A ton of people have messaged me after seeing photos and said, Jill, where do I get the towel? And we finally got a batch of them printed up and we'll be tucking that into your little goodie box whenever you join the course. So to check out the course, all that's offered and see what's in my little box that I'll be sending you, just head on over to learnhowtocan.com to have a look.